Hello and welcome on to another episode of the ISIL Ball Podcast with your host, Derek Terrio, your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. And yes, I am back. Three weeks off, was on vacation, went on a Royal Caribbean cruise uh, out in uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, we were in St. Martin, uh, Phillipsburg. We went to you know a few other places, Labadee, Haiti, and a couple other great places that I was on. Um, just an awesome cruise. Great time with my family. Uh, we don't really get to go on vacations too often. I think it was the first real family vacation in about a decade. So it was great to be there with my family. I was able to play a little basketball, meet some people, uh, get some basketball opinions from others on the boat, uh, from you know not just uh, Canada and stuff like that. There was a lot of people from Ontario there, but a lot of people from you know Minnesota. I got to, to meet some people from Boston. Uh, was watching some of the college football games, and so through that you spark up some NBA conversations and stuff like that. And it was just kind of interesting to hear some of their, some of the perspective from the fans in the U.S. and how they uh, view their specific teams, who they're loyal to, what they think about uh, their specific team's moves and stuff like that. So that was really good to see, but I really enjoyed my vacation. Uh, that was a ton of fun. Really was able to get some uh, some shots up, uh, play against uh, some some players that had played varsity basketball, a couple uh, players from you know D three college who you know wiped the floor with me. <laughs> in all honesty, they were pretty good. But uh, uh, yeah, all in all, really great, um, really great time. And then on a more somber note, I actually had a death in my family. Um, I, obviously, the um, that's never something you want to hear. But uh, the death of my grandfather came. Uh, the news came as I was on the cruise, and so we had to attend a, a funeral. Uh, very immediately after that happened, so that was why I wasn't able to get it on the Sunday I came back. Um, yeah, that 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 was tough. Uh, haven't lost anybody in my immediate family before, so it was uh, it was quite an experience. But I was able to bring some of my other family, aunts, uncles, cousins, together, and be able to talk and you know hash out some of the memories uh, the great memories of my grandfather which was you know very um very helpful for me considering our family doesn't live uh too close it, it was really good to be with them and just kind of talk my way through some of the the feelings that I was having so that was uh that was good to be able to have but yeah tough loss for me there and if you can't tell I'm kind of feeling under the weather too uh so really up and down roller coaster of uh, emotions and feelings as I've gotten back uh, from this vacation, but that does not mean the NBA stops. The NBA continues, and that's what we are here for to talk about today. So a lot of news has passed since I've last spoken to you guys. It was like a whole slate of Christmas Day games, which was a lot of fun. There was the Clarkson Exum trade, which I'm sure you guys know of by now. So I don't want to rehash like three weeks of news because I'm sure you guys have gotten the news one way or another and been able to kind of have an idea of how things are going. Uh, I actually wasn't able to keep up with the NBA as much as I'd like uh, or had like to on the trip. Uh, I had very minimal access. I was able to watch some of the Christmas Day games, but that's really about it. They weren't really playing anything other um, other than uh, football on the, some of the, the big screens uh, there on the cruise. So it was really up to me to go and kind of take a look through things and just try to catch up on some uh, some NBA content since I've been back. So I'm basically what I decided to do for this specific podcast is just go through the top eight teams in the West, the top eight teams in the East, 
and just kind of see where everybody is at this point through I think about 35 games here almost a almost halfway through the regular season and then just kind of um, just kind of give a quick overview of how they've been where they stand in the net rating and we'll also touch on some of the Andre Drummond trade rumors which have popped up uh, fairly recently and so we'll talk about maybe some possible destinations for Andre Drummond and who might want to take on uh, his enormous salary and what may you might have to give up to get that so let's start in the east or sorry in the west here the top eight in the west i'll go by order of seeding and the number one team currently in the western conference is the los angeles lakers the lakers continue to roll they continue to beat up on bad teams which does not seem to be a problem for them i still believe that i if i'm not mistaken that they're unbeaten against teams under 500 but I think uh, some of the problem, and I mean, I say problems with them being four games ahead of the second place team in the in the West, but some of their problems come in crunch time, it seems, which is kind of interesting. They've had some problems closing out teams down the stretch in the clutch. We saw the Lakers-Clippers game on Christmas Day and some of their struggles in the clutch at that point. Um, they're still a great defensive team, though. Uh, on offense and defense, they're great. They're fourth in efficiency in both. And with four games ahead of the second-place team in the West, they're, they're in cruise control right now. But I think as it pertains to some of the crunch time offensive struggles, you know, uh, it, it's tough to say. I mean, I think part of the reason is you want the ball in the hands of LeBron, Dr- LeBron James in the clutch. And now at his advanced age, his, his willingness to try to blow by you, like with two dribbles and get to the rim and, you know, finish strong at the rim – doesn't seem to be his propensity anymore. He's more of uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna run the clock down to five te- five seconds and take a, a, a step back three on the left wing and try to knock you and hit you with that. So, you know that becomes a problem when that shot isn't falling. Maybe you want to see a little bit more Anthony Davis in clutch time situations, whether it be a LeBron AD pick and roll whether it be trying to force a switch on AD and get a small on him or that you can put the defense into rotation if they have to double. You know, little things like that might be a little bit more uh, of something the Lakers want to look at if they're having a little bit of struggles in clutch time. But, you know, that's uh, I say this and it's pretty menial in terms of their problems right now. I know that they'll figure it out a little bit, but... um, in, in grand scheme of things, it's not really that big of an issue. So 28-7 and seven is the Lakers' record. They're third in net rating at 7.1. Okay, the second team right now in the West is the Denver Nuggets. And the Denver Nuggets, basically, I'll categorize them so far. You know, they've gone through ups and downs. But as of really recently, the Michael Porter Jr. hype has finally arrived. Uh, this was a player that uh, Nick Raponi and I were pretty high on uh, in the draft, and there was a lot of medical concerns that caused him to slip to number 14 last year, in last year's draft. He didn't play at all last year. Mike Malone bringing him along slowly this year, and you know, through the last uh, few games, he's starting to come alive a little bit, which is great to see. He had that, I think, 11 of 12 game for you know 26 points or something recently where it was all threes and shots in the paint, which is awesome to see. He's starting to develop some chemistry with Jokic, which is awesome to see as well. And, you know, if, if he start, continues to play like this, could be uh, the four going forward there for the Nuggets. And, 
you know, Jokic has got started to, you know, pick it up a little bit after a slow start to the year. They're 12th in defense uh, after, you know, starting the year at the top of the league. Uh, Nick and I talked about, uh, you know, some of the, the shooting luck. That maybe has started to come down a little bit now, uh, 12th in the league in defensive efficiency. But, you know, with Michael Porter Jr. starting to find his groove, this team could have a, a little offensive weapon uh, in their back pocket here, which is uh, really good to see for them. So the Denver Nuggets, second in the West, they are 24-11, and 11, and they are eighth in net rating at 4.0. Okay, number three is the Houston Rockets. Uh, the Houston Rockets, we know, live and die with James Harden's production, and the production, once again, for the you know, sixth year in a row has been absolutely fantastic. He's in the running for MVP race yet again. Uh, defenses are trying ridiculous things against Harden, including just basically double-teaming him at will. We've seen that in a number of different games where teams are just selling out to stop, you know, James Harden from scoring. And so although James Harden is undoubtedly the most important player on this Rockets team and his production is going to determine how far they go, I think their ceiling actually depends on on Russell Westbrook. And, you know, Russell Westbrook, he's been shooting, you know, pretty poorly from three this year, still taking a lot of attempts, a lot of them pretty unnecessary. You still see a lot of those early mid-rangers in the shock, uh, early in the shot clock, which we know Houston doesn't like. And, um, you know, that's definitely not a good shot uh, from Westbrook most times. He's still pretty inefficient uh, at this point as well, despite having a really good December. Uh, but the one thing I will give uh, Westbrook credit for is I think he's doing a better job of becoming uh, a decision maker uh, when that outlet pass, <clears throat> you know, when Harding gets doubled and that outlet pass goes to Westbrook. I think he's doing a better job at doing a four on th- doing four on three decision making with the ball. And another thing that the Rockets have done is they've used Harden as a screener. Uh, to be able to open up Westbrook because that second guy will not go with uh, with Westbrook when they drive because obviously the, the strategy of doubling Harden is so tried and true for these teams when they get into a game with Houston. So that has been opening up things as well. But it's really Westbrook that's going to determine how far this Rockets team uh, is going to be able to go. So, um, you know, they're very good. Second on offense, uh, as we expected. But, you know, 17th on defense, I think they have to be a little bit better if they really want to have some real title hopes um, and, you know, with the backcourt of Westbrook and Harden, that uh, is kind of tough to muster up. So the Rockets, third in the West, 24-11, seventh in net rating at 5.0. Okay, the Clippers, fourth in the Western Conference. They're just coasting right now, but they've had some troubling defensive outings in some recent games. I mean, they gave up 122 to Houston, 118 to OKC, 120 to the Utah Jazz, 140 to Memphis, and just to, and just tonight, uh, although they won, they gave up 132 to the New York Knicks. I mean, they're still sixth in defensive uh, rating, but I think they need to clean that up to stay one of the elite teams, and they still are one of the elite teams in the NBA. Uh, I'm not saying that they're not, but the, that little slippage of you know defense is a little bit of a problem, I would say. Um, Kawhi and PG, both Kawhi and Paul George, both have been uh, great. Uh, it's really about finding their groove at this point uh, because this team is all about what they can do in the playoffs. You know, as the other teams are that we've mentioned, the Lakers, Nuggets, and Rockets as well. But uh, the Clippers do have some flexibility in terms of what they can do at the trade deadline. So I think it's really important to just kind of see where they can upgrade, where they're, uh, they feel that they're good, and uh, where they can kind of make moves around the margins to maximize this, uh, this window of Kawhi and Paul George. Uh, so the Clippers, 26-12, and 12, uh, fifth in net rating at 6.0, fourth in the West. 
The number five team in the Western Conference is the Utah Jazz. You know, I really feel like this team has underachieved so far this season, but they're one game out of second in the West, which is kind of crazy. Uh, so in retrospect, they probably haven't under, they have underachieved, but, you know, considering how close they are, uh, I don't know if they have underachieved. It's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting question. Um, I thought the, the addition of Mike Connolly would really give this team a true point guard presence and take some of the, uh, the pressure, the on-ball pressure off of Mitchell. Unfortunately, that hasn't really happened as Connolly has really been pretty bad when he's played, and now he's you know kind of been injured and right out of the lineup. Uh, they made that trade, like I mentioned at the top of the the show here, uh, trading Dante Exum for Jordan Clarkson to bring in you know some offensive punch, which has worked to some degree. But you know, eight, 18th in offense has just got to get better if they want to go anywhere uh, in the playoffs here. You know, an, an 18th ranked offense. Uh, you know, even if your defense is absolutely elite, you know, which the Jazz are, you know, 8th at 105.3 on defense, but 18th in offensive rating at 108.2 is just, you know, not going to get it done uh, in terms of being able to compete with the best offenses uh, as we've seen above the Clippers, Rockets, Nuggets, Lakers, and some of these other teams who have great offenses as well. Um, But the positives for this team is uh, Rudy Gobert has continued to be a force defensively, which is still good to see. And, you know, they they still have a chance to be second in the West. Like I said, they're only one game out of second. So 23-12 and 12 are the Utah Jazz, good for fifth in the West, and they are 12th in net rating at 2.9. All right, the number six team in the Western Conference is the Dallas Mavericks. So this is one of the surprise teams of the year, mostly because of their historic offense. Uh, the Mavericks are obviously led by their MVP candidate, Luka Doncic. Uh, and their superb bench units, which I don't think uh, gets talked about enough. I mean, some of their um, some of their players off the bench giving them you know fantastic minutes, whether it be you know Jalen Brunson, Tim Hardaway Jr. is playing good, good. So is Seth Curry and Delon Wright. They're getting some stuff from Dorian Finney-Smith and Justin Jackson at times, and Maxi Kleber, Dwight Powell. You know, the, almost this whole roster really uh, gets some playing time here. And obviously, you know, Porzingis has been really good as well. Um, while I was away, there was a little bit of talk about the the, the Porzingis post-up and is that good? Should he 7-3? Should he be on the block? Or should he be shooting threes? Personally, I think if you have a historic offense, whatever you're doing is working, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, Porzingis, uh, really not a good post-up player at this point, is really small and bothered by smaller players who can kind of body him up and get under him and uh, kind of bother him a little bit. So I think he's, you know, ju- being used uh, just fine. I think Carlisle's using him just fine, and their uh, offensive rating uh, would support that. 115 offensive rating is first in the league for them. Uh, so, you know, Porzingis, uh, he's been a little bit rusty finding his place on offense. I think, uh, he's starting to find his groove a little bit, but he's injured now, um, has been for a little bit here, but I think he's finding his groove, which is good to see. And, uh, defensively, I think he's been solid as well. Uh, as I mentioned, 115 offensive rating for the Mavericks is the best in the league, and they're about a league average defense as well. Uh, but that, um, that combination is, is not bad. A league average defense and a, a, you know, a number one ranked offense uh, will we'll get it done if you can uh, if you can balance those accordingly. So, the Dallas Mavericks Mavericks six in the Western Conference, twenty two and thirteen, and they are fourth in net rating at seven point zero. All right, the number seven team is the Oklahoma City Thunder. And this has been one of my favorite teams to watch this year. Obviously, Chris Paul is one of my favorite players, so naturally I tend to gravitate toward this team when I can. But this team to me has just been so selfless and it's just been proven to close uh, out close games down the stretch. 
you know, Chris Paul has sacrificed, Gilgis Alexander has sacrificed, um, so has Adams, so has Schroeder, um, you know, you're getting contributions from guys like Terrence Ferguson, and, you know, even Lugens Dort is getting minutes here, um, obviously, uh, Nerlens Noel is playing really well for this team as a backup center, um, Will Andre Robertson ever play for this team? I have no idea at this point. I, I'm just not expecting him to be back. Obviously, Gallinari is shooting the hell out of the ball. Deontay Burton gets uh, gets run from time to time. So does Abdel Nader, who I've liked what I've seen from him. And Hami Diallo has been back. This team has, just has a lot of just you know solid rotation players. And I think that just the the trio of CP3, Shea Gilgis Alexander, and Dennis Schroeder, uh, that three guard lineup down the stretch has uh, proven to have you know three solid playmakers that can create their own shots, and all of them can spot up and shoot that three. Um, and then specifically in the mid range down the stretch, Chris Paul has just been hunting his shot in the fourth quarter and uh, putting away close games, you know, uh, fairly consistently here. He's had some really big games, and you know, after a lot of people saying this guy was washed, I've been trying to tell people for a long time, Chris Paul is not washed. I don't know where this narrative seems to come from. He still makes a great impact on the game. Uh, he's still a very good defender. Um, he's you know has career lows in usage and uh, career lows in usage and almost in shot attempts and all this stuff, and still finding ways to be effective with his limited opportunities. And uh, I think uh, Billy Donovan really puts a lot of trust in Chris Paul to be able to, you know, run the offense at this point and use his very high basketball IQ to make great decisions, you know, for this team. And obviously, he's been a great mentor to Shea Gilgis Alexander, who I think has been just having a fantastic year and should be at, uh, the, you know, one of the front runners for most improved player. As he's, you know, I think he's been averaging the most points per game and really has made the biggest jump of any player on this Oklahoma City team. But, uh, you know, between all those guys I mentioned, uh, just their ability to close games, you know, down the stretch is really proving to be great, you know, for this team. And they're really kind of secured in this seventh spot here. So, um, and yeah, one thing I'll say as well is I think I mentioned earlier in an earlier podcast this year is I thought the Wolves would be exactly who the Thunder are right now. Um, but obviously that hasn't been the case. And, um, yeah, this is this is basically the team I thought the Timberwolves would be, and unfortunately I was wrong about that. So the Oklahoma City Thunder, 20-15, and 15, and they are 13th in net rating at 1.5. All right, the final team in the Western Conference, and this is a carousel of teams. You can pick any one, whether... Um, well, let me talk, talk about this team first. So it's the, the eighth team as I sit today is the, um, the Blazers. The Portland Trail Blazers are eighth in the West, and this is a rotating carousel of teams right now. Um, you know, Dame Lillard, after uh, being on fire to start the year, has cooled off a little bit. CJ's having about an average year, I'd say. Melo has provided them with a nice offensive boost, which is good to see. Uh, I think they'll be getting... Um, sorry, <laughs> blank for a second. Uh, Nurkic uh, might be coming back somewhat soon, which will be a nice uh, depth piece at the center spot, especially since uh, considering they lost... Zach Collins, so it's uh, it's good to see there for Portland, but um, again, defensively is where this team is really struggling. Twenty second in defensive rating, and they are you know fifteen and twenty one and in the Western Conference, good for eighth and seventeenth in net rating at negative one point four. But you know this Western Conference race for the eighth seed, it's like who wants it at this point? You know the Blazers are fifteen and twenty one, the Spurs are fourteen and twenty. Suns are 14 and 21 after starting off hot, have really fallen off a cliff. 
The Grizzlies are 14 and 22. The Timberwolves are 13 and 21. The Kings are 13 and 23. The Pelicans are even 12 and 24. Like the Pelicans right now are three games out of the eighth seed, and they're the 14th seed. So like this this eighth seed is up for like who wants it? Who's gonna be the team to go on that streak and really take that eighth seed? Because right now that is up for grabs. Like no one seems to be have any consistency there at the bottom of the Western Conference. And, you know, one big-time winning streak will vault you right up into there, and uh, one losing streak will take you right out. So it's it's really going to be interesting to see how this the race for the eighth seed in the Western Conference shakes out. But right now, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams, in my estimation, that could end up with this eighth seed. And that's, and that's pretty crazy to me, in my opinion. So that gives you kind of the Western Conference, the top of the Western Conference outlook there. Let's move on here to the East. So the number one team in the East is the Milwaukee Bucks. They continue to be the dominant team in this league at 32-5. and five. They seem to have very little holes in their game at this point. Uh, everything is going well. Giannis continues to be an MVP candidate and looking like he may win it for the second year in a row. Brooke Lopez defensively has just been fantastic. They're getting great minutes from Wesley Matthews. Chris Middleton's starting to turn a corner. Kyle Korver shooting the lights out of the ball here. Pat Connaughton giving him great minutes. And the Bledsoe Hill backcourt has been just fine as well. Robin Lopez as a backup center is more than okay for this team. And, you know, they're probably the best team right now in the NBA above the LA Lakers. I said that the Lakers in, in the past were the best team. I'd like to change that now and say I think that the, that the Milwaukee Bucks are the best team in the NBA, and their 32-5 and record would suggest that, and they are first in net rating by a wide margin of 12.4. The next best team in net rating is the Celtics at 7.7, almost 5 points um, ahead of the next team in net rating, which is just fantastic. And speaking of those Celtics, they are second in the Eastern Conference, and they continue to get great contributions here from Ke- from Kemba Walker, from Jalen Brown, and from Jason Tatum. Uh, Gordon Hayward has been out with uh, a bit, uh, some foot issues on that same ankle that he you know broke at the beginning of the 2017 season. Uh, that is a little bit concerning there for the Celtics. Hopefully, he can get right and back. Uh, the center spot, um, you know, I talked about this with Tom Westerholm. Who is going to fill that center spot? Uh, where is the uh, the rotation going to come from between you know Ennis Kanter, Robert Williams, and Daniel Tice? And it's really been Daniel Tice that have been giving them the great minutes uh, that they need, especially defensively there uh, down the stretch against the Atlanta Hawks. You saw that he was able to stay with them and block his shot uh, to seal the game on the perimeter, which was really awesome to see. You know, they could still look to upgrade at the center spot, but they're rolling right now with a couple of uh, potential all-stars in uh, Brown and Tatum, specifically Jalen Brown, who I think has been, you know, just absolutely fantastic in the way he's playing. He's uh, just, you know, making a lot of... Uh, a lot of good decisions with the basketball, really hitting his shots, getting to the rim. His handle looks tighter. A lot of good things happening for Jalen Brown. And um, uh, I I believe I said that he would be worth that extension when it happened. And uh, I think uh, this is proving to be correct as of right now as he's having the best season of his career. So the Celtics, behind some great contributions from their wings, along with Kemba Walker, uh, are 25-8, and and they are second in net rating at 7.7, and that is good for second in the East. 
The third team in the East is the Miami Heat. You know, the Miami Heat are one of the more surprising teams this year, I would say. You know, they stay competitive against the best teams and are getting a nice bump from the likely all-star of Bam Adebayo. I talked about him on past podcasts. Uh, and a great leadership from Jimmy Butler as well. Uh, this team continues, you know, to be fantastic. Uh, fantastically coached specifically uh, by Eric Spolstra. They seem to really be bought into that system. They're 11th in defensive rating right now, and on offense, they're 12th. So a nice balance between the two. They're getting, obviously, contributions from, uh, you know, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson shooting the hell out of the ball. Um, obviously, Kendrick Nunn has uh, come on and proven to give them some good minutes. Uh, and Goran Dragic has been back, proving to give them some good minutes as well. And they've got some pieces to be able to upgrade here at the deadline as well if they're looking to you know, make a, a nice push to see if they can get even further and really make a run here at the playoffs. So the Miami Heat have been excellent. Um, third in the East, obviously. They are 25-10, and 10, and they're 10th in net rating at 3.2. Number four is the Toronto Raptors. So despite injuries for the Raptors left, right, and center, this team seems to be finding ways to win games. Um, they had an incredible 30-point comeback against the Mavericks uh, a couple weeks back. You know, Lowry, uh, Fred Van Vliet, and Ibaka are the ones leading the charge with some good minutes um, from Pat McCaw as well, which has been good to see. And, you know, they're just, they just really can't seem to get everybody healthy at the same time, which is really a shame you know, Norman Powell, who was having a great year, especially shooting the ball, has, uh, you know, been out. Pascal Siakam, uh, they're obviously their uh, emerging star and, you know, franchise player at this point is out. Marc Gasol is also out. So they're having to rely on uh, big-time, you know, minutes from OG Ananobi and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Patrick McCaw, Terrence Davis. And I've even been getting a little bit uh, from O'Shea Brissett. And Chris Boucher has obviously been asked to play some minutes for this team as well. So, you know, they continue to win games, though. They're not they're not slumping. They're, again, still fourth in the East here and just making the most out of uh, their available players to try and grind out some of these wins here. Uh, so no Gasol, no Siakam, you know, no Powell, no problem for this team, R- really. They're, they continue to roll, and once they can get back healthy and into a rhythm, um, I think they're going to see even better stuff from this team. So the Toronto Raptors, 24-12. and 12, That's good for fourth in the East, and they are sixth in net rating at 5.5. Okay, number five is the Philadelphia 76ers. And, you know, this team is slipping a little bit. Coming into the year, you know, they were title favorites, but they really haven't looked like it so so much. You know, Embiid has had some cryptic comments about, you know, stretching the floor, um, assuming, that, you know, those comments were directed at Ben Simmons. You know, Josh Richardson really hasn't been the player that I expected him to be. Spot-up shooting, you know, it's still a problem for these Sixers. They're 25th in three-point attempts per game, and they just need to figure something out and get back on track here. You know, Ben Simmons, with all that hoopla about him shooting threes in the offseason, he really hasn't been shooting the ball anymore. If anything, he's been shooting it less than uh, than previously, um, which is obviously a problem, uh, especially in the half court. Um, I'm not sure if I've talked about this before, but, you know, Ben Simmons in the half court is, is a problem because... Uh, he can't really run pick and roll because they're going to go under on him every time. He's got to he's got to be put in the dunker spot, and you know when you have Embiid and Simmons being put in the dunker spot at the same time, that's just you know that's tough spacing for the Sixers, and that's why you know those spot up shooters uh, are really crucial for this team, and they just n- not, don't necessarily have them, you know, at the moment, and you know that's that's tough for this team. I mean. You want to look down the up and down the roster. I mean, you know, Tobias Harris has had a solid year. I won't lie. That's pretty good. 
Matisse Thibel, you know, he's off and on shooting, not a high-volume shooter right now. James Ennis is a mess shooter. Both Thibel and Ennis are injured right now. You know, Al Horford has really struggled for this team, really hasn't been the fit that they expected. Um, he hasn't shot the three that well either. Neither has Mike Scott. Um, you know, Josh Richardson, I mentioned, hasn't been the same player. You know, Furkan Korkmaz has given them a little bit, but again, um, that can't be your go-to shooter. So they still have some problems here uh, as it pertains to spot-up shooting, really getting... Uh, some spacing for Embiid in the post. But, you know, I don't think it's time to panic yet for this team. Uh, I think the Sixers still can make some moves, but something that definitely has to change. They can't afford to be fifth in the Eastern Conference and have a, you know, a first-round matchup right now with the Toronto Raptors. That's not something that I would want to see in the first round if I was the Sixers. I would want to see a team like, you know, the Nets or the Magic, which we'll talk about later in this podcast. But to have a... A uh, matchup with uh, the Raptors in the first round, uh, not necessarily one I would be excited about. So the Sixers, 23-14, and 14, uh, good for 5th in the East, and they are ninth in net rating at 3.6. Number 6 is the Indiana Pacers. You know, we need to give this team credit. Like, when are we going to start to saying that this team is just good? This is just a good basketball team. Like, a lot of us, um, you know, not just me, I know a lot of people, you know, counted them out to start the season. And now, despite an injury to Brogdon, who, again, most improved uh, player candidate in Malcolm Brogdon, they just continue to play well in large part because of Sabonis. Um, Sabonis, making a case for All-Star this year, has really played, you know, fantastic for this team, and they've really got some contributions from some of their other signings as well. I mean, you know, Aaron Holiday is playing a lot better. You know, Jeremy Lamb is uh, playing better as well. TJ Warren, excuse me, Doug McDermott, Justin Holiday. you know, I mentioned Sabonis, Miles Turner is still there. So these guys are really contributing here for the Pacers. And Oladipo's return is on the horizon. It's coming late January, early February, as I see. So if they can get him healthy and continue to play this way, I really wouldn't want to see the Indiana Pacers in the first round. And right now, they would play the Miami Heat. And oh boy, that would be that would be a matchup. I would I would still probably pick the Heat, but you know what kind of what, what kind of Oladipo are we getting back here? Because if we can get anything close to that All NBA season that we saw a couple of years ago, that's going to be that's going to be an interesting series. So. You know, the Pacers, uh, I want to give them their respect. They are 22-14, and 14, good enough for 6 in the Eastern Conference, and they're 11th in net rating at 3.0. All right, number 7 is the Brooklyn Nets. So Kyrie Irving has missed 24 straight games now, and when he is coming back, no one seems to know. He's uh, been seeing shoulder specialists, says he tried to, you know, do all these different stretches and, you know, different remedies for his shoulder. None of them seem to work. He's progressing a little bit, but still really no timetable for his return at this point, which is, you know, interesting. Um, however, Karis LeVert returned against the Raptors last night, um, but the guy really driving this bus is Spencer Dinwiddie, and he's, he's played at an all-star level, uh, able to keep the Nets afloat at this seven spot. And, you know, the Nets, this is a write-off year for them. We know without Kevin Durant, it's a bit of a write-off. They just kind of want to see what they have. But I think it's important for this team to get as healthy as possible to see where KD can fit fit in when he gets back because I think we all agree that the Nets really don't have any hope of competing for anything more than just maybe uh, an upset in the first round uh, this year in the playoffs. So uh, the Brooklyn Nets, carried mostly by Spencer Dinwiddie, are 16-18, and 18, good for 7th in the West and they are 18th, actually, in net rating at negative 1.6, which is the lowest of any of these playoff teams. All right, number eight is the Orlando Magic. 
So the Orlando Magic, they're clinging to the 8 seed mainly because of their defense. However, they just lost Jonathan Isaac. Uh, he had a scary knee injury, had to be car, uh, taken off on a stretcher, and they're gonna be, he's going to be reevaluated re in two months. And he's been playing at an all-defensive level this year, being able to guard guys on the perimeter, has a bit of a, a force at the rim and things of that nature, uh, being able to switch pretty much one through five. Um, so, you know, Jonathan Isaac has been really fantastic this year, and if they want to stay, stay in that 8 spot, they're simply going to have to be better than 26th uh, in offensive efficiency right now because, you know, you're not going to replace Jonathan Isaac defensively, and their their solution is just you got to get better on offense. I don't know if that's going to be, have to be through a trade or they're going to have to, you know, find other, you know, sets to run or things like that, but they're just going to have to be better, and I'm not sure how they get there, to be honest, but... The Orlando Magic, number eight in the Eastern Conference, uh, 16 and 20, and they're 16th in net rating at negative 1.4. All right, so that'll wrap up the Eastern Conference overlook in the top eight, and I did the West as well. So the last thing I want to end this podcast on is just I want to talk about some of these Andre Drummond trade rumors. So we know, you know, the Detroit Pistons. You know, Blake Griffin really hasn't been himself this year. He's in and out of the lineup. So when you don't have your best player healthy and you've got Andre Drummond, who is in the last year of his deal, he's got a player option for $28.7 million next year and then is our unrestricted free agent after that. With And I want to talk about that just, just before we even get to the trade rumors. I want to talk about that because we've seen in this new age environment of the NBA is that you can get centers for pretty damn cheap. Like your your center spot doesn't necessarily have to be some crazy paid player. Like, you know, the Nuggets, okay, with Jokic, okay, he's played pretty highly. The Rockets with Capella, he's a talented big. They're paid, paid pretty highly. Same with the Jazz with Gobert. But, I mean, the Lakers are running through, like, minimums with McGee and Howard. You know, the Clippers are basically running with, you know, Montrez Harrell at center along with Avicii Zubac. You know, the Mavericks are running this trio of Dwight Powell and uh, Maxi Kleber. Um, you know, Porzingis, not, he's not really a center. He's more of a four to me. And uh, and Bobar Marjanovic. The Thunder are rolling. You know, Steven Adams has played pretty highly. Okay, fair enough. The Blazers um, are running with Whiteside, who, again, paid pretty fairly. I get that. But the point is, is that look at some of these top teams in the Lakers and the Clippers and the Mavericks. They don't necessarily need big-time centers. You know, again, the Bucks, like Brooke Lopez, like not a highly paid center. The Celtics, we talk about their centers. Like they don't even have a highly paid center realistically at all. You know, the Miami Heat, you know, they're, who, who are the Miami Heat running with? They're running with like Kelly Olynyk and, um, and Myers Leonard. Who else? I'm looking at their depth chart right now. My apologies. Um, yeah, pretty much like Kelly and Bam at, at, at the four uh, who play some small ball center at times. Let's, let's run down this even further. You know, Marcus Gasol, he's on a big-time player option. I get that. But he's still been injured, and you're running with Serge Ibaka. Uh, the Sixers, Embiid, obviously, a very, very talented big. Uh, the Pacers have paid their centers pretty nicely. The Nets are running with Jared Allen and uh, uh, DeAndre Jordan. So here, my point is here is that you can be successful, and some of these teams at the top of the, the con their conferences have shown that they can be successful without paying a center that big of production. So... Understanding that concept and understanding that, you know, a lot of these teams don't necessarily need $28.7 million on their books. Does Drummond up does Drummond Drummond pick up that player option? 
knowing that he if he gets to the open market, even in a, even in a weak free agent class, if he gets to that open market, is he actually going to get paid twenty eight million per year, or is it worth it for him? to take maybe that player option at 27 years old, $28 million, um, and then when he's an unrestricted free agent in 2021 at 28, test the market and see where he's at. So it's an interesting decision. I mean, I think I'd opt out if I were him just because that 2020 uh, free agent class is so weak that you know some team will get desperate and want to pay him uh, just to, you know, as their big time free agent splash, I get that. And 2021 is looking a lot like 2019 in terms of their free agent, um, uh, in terms of that free agent class where a lot of people got paid. So I'm guessing I'd probably opt out, but just considering the market and, and how centers can get underpaid and still, you know, be a part of a valuable team on a cheap contract, it's an interesting uh, uh, mental exercise. But okay, enough, enough about that. Here's Here's what we're talking about. The main team that I've heard being thrown, main two teams I've uh, heard being thrown around here. The first team I've heard being thrown around here is the Atlanta Hawks. And, you know, we've heard rumblings that Trey Young, he's looking for some help. He's been going to the the front office and saying, look, I need help. Get me some help, this, that, and the other. Do you really want to go and trade a bunch of assets to get Andre Drummond? Like, is Andre Drummond really going to be the thing that, you know, makes Trey Young happy because I think at this point, if you're getting for going for Andre Drummond, like you're doing it to appease Trey Young because, like, I just don't, I just don't see like how this fits, like realistically, I really don't see how this fits. Like you're gonna, like you're gonna go assuming um, Andre Drummond opts out of that player option, you're gonna go and trade for a rental, a half year rental of Andre Drummond to what to pay him again in the off season. As one of those, as as you being one of the teams with cap space, you're gonna go and dump a bunch of your cap into center Andre Drummond, who's, you know, putting up, you know, 18 and 16 or whatever. But I mean, where's that getting his team right now? Not very far whatsoever. And I mean, I think the uh, the Detroit Pistons are 25th in field goal percentage at the rim, so he's not protecting the rim. Uh, which the Atlanta Hawks are atrocious on defense. They need all the help they can get in that department. So I don't know that the Atlanta Hawks are a fit here, you know, for Andre Drummond. I re- I just I just don't see it. I don't I don't see where that makes them necessarily better. Uh, you you still have problems on the wings. You've got you know a lot of rookies on the wings that are you know underdeveloped and really haven't proven enough. I think really you need help there. I don't think you necessarily need help at center. Like you really got to see, you know, what is John Collins? I think I think it's too early to just put Andre Drummond in here and what are you going to play? Like Collins and Drummond together? Like I just have so many questions. I have so many questions about how that would work that I just don't see that as being a viable strategy. Okay, the second team I've heard uh, Andre Drummond going to is the Celtics. And we talked about, you know, the Celtics possibly wanting to upgrade at center. But again, this this is this big money twenty seven million dollars he's making Andre Drummond's making this year. That means you're gonna have to send back a big time deal. You, what are you gonna send back? Are you sending back Jalen Brown? No. Sending back Jason Tatum? Absolutely not. Are you sending back uh, Gordon Hayward? Okay. Are you sending back Gordon Hayward? I don't know. Like, are are we giving up on Gordon Hayward? Is that is that it for him? Like, no. I don't think you. I don't think you are. I think uh, I think if you're the Celtics, you value those wings pretty highly. So if you don't have any of those guys, the only really other option you have is maybe like Marcus Smart and you know maybe one of the centers that can go back with them, and maybe one other 
you know, salary filler. I'm going to just go look at the roster to see if they have any salary filler right here. Um, you're not giving up on Brown. You're not giving up on um, Smart or Tatum or Hayward, in my opinion. So, like, you know, like, and it's Cantor and, you know, maybe one of the rookies, like, you know, Grant Williams or Romeo Langford, and, you know, you got Semi Ojale, which I guess is some salary, but not a lot, and, you know, Carson Edwards and Brad Wanamaker don't make a lot, Javante Green does not make a lot, so I don't see where the salary is coming to match that $27 million unless you're going to give up one of these big-time wings, and the guy I'm looking at right now is Gordon Hayward, because that's the contract matcher right there, so it doesn't really make sense for the Celtics for me either, and so... You're you're left you're left looking around the league and you're saying, so who is it? Who is it that's gonna the that the Detroit Pistons are gonna trade for Andre Drummond? Like, I just I'm looking up and down here and I don't see a team that really makes sense to me. Is the Hornets maybe? Like, I just don't know what what does that do for them? Like, I I just have no idea. It's it's very tough for me to construct something that is going to benefit one of these teams if they trade for Andre Drummond. So. You know, the Pistons are in a tough spot here. I, I don't see anything feasible, you know, for them to do other than maybe just just wait it out, I guess. And maybe he picks up that player option and, you know, maybe if you can convince him to pick up the player option and, you know, maybe that will, um, maybe a team, you know, has a center injury and, and, and can use him. Uh, on a dec- on an expiring deal, and now it becomes a little bit more of a re- I, like I I don't know I just I I don't know I I I don't know where the where the fit is like I'm just at this point I'm just making shit up because I'm trying to talk myself into a reasoning on why a team would take him but I just I don't see it at this point I just, I just don't so uh, Detroit is in a tough spot and I um, I think he'll be traded I mean I think I I just don't see how you can keep him but I also don't really see where he's gonna go in my opinion so that's that's my opinion there on Andre Drummond. Okay, that'll wrap up this week's podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Sorry I've been off for so long. Again, we'll get back to the once-a-week stuff and back to the more traditional format of the games of the week and what I learned this week and all this sort of stuff. I just had to get one now considering I had been away for three weeks and I didn't want to use the traditional format because... I haven't been hadn't been following the league as closely as I usually do for so long, so I just had to you know do a bit of an update as uh, as you heard on this episode. So thanks again for listening. You know you can uh, uh, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Isoball Podcasts. Um, search anywhere you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify, etc., uh, and subscribe. Uh, rate, review, uh, tell your friends about it. That sort of stuff that always helps a lot. Uh, I keep saying I'm going to get back to the YouTube stuff and I haven't, so that's something I'm working on as well. You can subscribe uh, to that. My channel is just Derek Terrio, D-E-R-E-K-T-H-E-R-R-I-A-U-L-T, and you'll be able to find that as well. So I'll subscribe there as well. And uh, thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Maybe we'll be picking some all-stars next week if I had to guess, so uh, stay tuned for that. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you then.